last week when the kids were up here, it was pretty awesome. It was awesome seeing the kids up here because God's getting them ready for ministry and God's going to use them and they're getting their feet wet and those kind of things. And it's really neat to see that. And it was kind of cool to hear how they shared their testimonies and I'm thankful for. And, and we know that the kids are like, we're thankful for our hamster and kitty cat. And, and I'm thankful for, and you know, a lot of times we're kind of like little kids and we giggled at the things they were thankful for. But sometimes when we give thanks to God, we're thankful for these like really peripheral things that in all honesty, in the scope of life, really aren't that important. They're necessary. They're necessities, but they're really not priorities. I want you to look to the person next to you and just say to him, hey, what are you thankful for? Here's your reply. I'm thankful for me. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? Like, I can't say that. I'm thankful for me. That's very arrogant or pretentious. But, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't happy in their own skin. And like to say I'm thankful for me is probably one of the things that they're the least thankful about. They're thankful for their cat and they're thankful for their dog. And they're thankful for their job that they really don't like. You know what I mean? And their car that's, that's like breaking down every week. Oh, I just thank God I can get back and forth to work. But they have this, the idea of saying thankful for me doesn't make sense to them. Because for many of them, they're going to be thankful someday down the road for themselves when all of this stuff changes. Okay, I'll be thankful someday and I'll be able to be fulfilled someday when all of these things within me or about me change. They've allowed their own preconceived notions and the ideas that of how other people feel about them to kind of control them. You see, they're not smart enough. They're not pretty enough. They're not spiritual enough. They're not talented enough. They're not thin enough. They're not tall enough. They're not short enough. They're not important enough. They're not successful enough. They're not athletic enough. They're not, you fill in the blank, enough to be able to be happy, to be able to be fulfilled. But someday down the road, when they make all of these changes, when all of these things fall into place, then it'll be okay for them to be happy. Then it'll be okay for them to be content. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 139, he said this. He said, O Lord, you searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. It's not distance, that's time. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the earth, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Listen to verse 13. 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What works is he talking about? God's creation. What God has done. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the sea, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If we're looking at this portion of scripture, the psalmist is talking about the omniscience means God is all-knowing. And omnipresence of God means God is everywhere. The first thing, just very quickly, this intimate knowledge that God has. In verses 1 through 7, David said, O Lord, you searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from as far. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O Lord, you hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David understood that God had intimate knowledge of every detail of his life. Sometimes we get afraid when people know too much about us. We let people know certain things because we think those things are acceptable for them to know. There's other things that we would prefer people not to see. Or other things, or we say, well, that's not as pretty, or that doesn't look quite as good on me. And yet the psalmist understood that he has intimate knowledge of my life, of every detail. God knew every move that he made in the two opposites, the going in, the going out, and lying down. In other words, sitting and rising represent all of his actions and everything in between. God knew. God knew not only his movements, but he knew the motivation and the thoughts of his heart. David said, you perceive my thoughts from afar. From a long way out, God knows what I'm thinking. In the future, God knows my thoughts. And he knows my actions of the future. And the attitudes of my heart in the future. God was familiar with his whole day's activities because he knew his going out in the morning and his laying down at night. The part of the chapter that epitomizes God's thorough knowledge of him is when David says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. David says, before I even say something, you know what I'm going to say. You know what's going to come out of my mouth. Did you ever notice that when you were dating your husband, your wife, you're able to finish each other's sentences? Back then it was considered so romantic. He knows me. Ah. And you'd giggle and look at each other. Now, it's just rude and annoying. It's something perspective, isn't it? It's, it was, it's annoying. Back then it was like, there were times that you could, you knew what they were thinking. Now you wish you didn't know what they were thinking. But David's initial response to the staggering knowledge was that he was troubled. Like many who respond to the fact of God's omniscience, he thought it was confining, that God had besieged him, 
and cupped his hand over him. It's hard for him to understand this type of knowledge. That God knows even the very thoughts. Even the very thoughts. Even what I'm going to think. He knows what I'm going to say before I even speak it. Before I even get in the situation, he knows the words that are going to be on my mouth. He knows how I will respond. God knows everything about you. He knows your past and your present. He knows your future. He knows your motive, your thoughts, the attitudes of your heart. He knows things about you that you, don't, you can't even comprehend about yourself. Like, you know... There's things about us that motivate us and things inside that we don't even understand about ourselves. And God has such thorough knowledge of us that he even knows those deep things. The psalmist writes about God, this intimate knowledge. The next thing he talks about is this intimate presence that he has. We would say God is omnipresent. It means that he's everywhere. You can't. And the psalmist, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, Sheol. If I make my depths there, you're there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. The thought of such confining knowledge may have prompted David's desire to escape. The fact that God knows so much about me, sometimes I don't like that. You ever have things that you don't want to admit to yourself? Like you don't want to admit it to yourself. You, don't want to, you just don't want to think that. You don't want to acknowledge that. And so David, the natural the man, the flesh's response to an all-knowing God who nothing is hidden from is, whoa, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And so this, he asks this rhetorical question, where can I go from your presence? Where can I escape? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He asserted that the Lord is present in the heavens above and in Sheol below. These opposites signify all the areas in between. Where can I go? There's nowhere I can go from your presence. Wherever I go, wherever I try to flee, Lord, you're already there. And then he says, if I could fly at the speed of light, the wings of the dawn, from the east coast across the sky to the west, to the far side of the Mediterranean Sea, he could not escape from the Lord. And he couldn't get away. David said that even the darkness could not hide him from God's presence. He says that wherever I am, wherever I try to go, your presence is already there. It's funny how sometimes we don't want to look at him. Sometimes things come in our lives where we're ashamed and we don't want to look at him or our attitudes are wrong or we, we don't want to see him. And yet no matter where we go, his presence is there. No matter where we go, he's watching over us. No matter where we go, his eyes are upon us. This is the third part I want to talk to you is this intimate design in verses 13 through 18. And David says this. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. What is he talking about? 
He's talking about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says, Lord, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The psalmist had a revelation of God and what he had done in his life, and he burst into praise. Whenever you get close to God, and you start to see him, and you start to understand him, and you start to come into intimate relationship with him, and you come into intimate knowledge of him, as you start to, to know him, the psalmist burst into praise because he understood he wasn't just a compilation of cells that happened together to come together by chance. Nor was he simply the result of the human reproduction process. But God sovereignly designed him and knit him together in his mother's womb. The word literally means that he was embroidered in his mother's womb. It's it's not chance. He was embroidered. It wasn't just sewing him together. It was God's work of art. There was nothing about him that came about by chance. Nothing. His hair colors, the color of his eyes. Once you hear this, your smile is not by chance. The freckle on your nose, the birthmark on your arm, none of that's by chance. It's all God's design. But not only did he design the physical body, but he also created our inmost being. God designed your personality your sense of humor, your laugh, your sense of curiosity, your talents and your interests. The psalmist understood that God made me. God created me. It's not by chance that he was born this way. God created him. Some of you are quiet and shy. Others are louder and outgoing. It's all part of God's design. The psalmist said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Fearfully means that when he looks at what God has done, it causes him to stand in awe of God's plan and God's design. Wonderfully means that he was made distinct. Distinct. God had a special design for him. He's not, it's not chance, we're not, made in a factory one after another, reproductions, were made distinct. Verse 16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The psalmist understand that God has plans for him. I want to say this to you. You can rest. You don't have to figure everything out. Do you ever get in that place where you're just... So antsy that you, I got to figure something out. I got to do something about this. How am I going to take care of this? And, and you're inside, you're kind of like itchy. Just, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You can rest because he's got plans for me. The psalmist was able to praise God because he understood he's got plans for me. They've been written in a book. From before he was born, God had plans for his life. And before you were born, God had plans for your life. I love what the prophet Jeremiah says. 
talks about, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, the problem is, is sometimes whenever we start to see God's plans unfold, we think they're not going with what our plans are. We begin to think that maybe there's a mistake and maybe things aren't going to work out quite right. God said, I know the plans. I know what I'm doing in your life. Relax. Enjoy. Be thankful. Because I'm at work in your life. If you could see, if you could see the plan, you wouldn't be so stressed. If you could see purposes, you wouldn't resist. If you could get a picture of what God is doing, you'd be able to just to rejoice and be thankful because God's doing things that you can't see. All you can see is this little bit right here. Listen to the following verses. And I like what the, how it's said in the New Living Translation. I think it's a little more clearer. Verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Not just his thoughts, but his thoughts about me. The thoughts that the psalmist is speaking about are the thoughts and plans that God has for his life. They're good plans. That God has, God just doesn't have one or two thoughts about you. See, a lot of us think that every once in a while, when we mess up, we get God's attention. Like if you mess up, you know that God's thinking about you, right? How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. Now I want to tell you something. If you and I get together and we start to think about some things and we start brainstorming, we can come up with some incredible things to do and accomplish. If we get together and just start talking and dreaming together, I mean, we can come up with some really incredible things, some great projects, some great ministries, some great outreaches, some great ways to touch people's lives. We can do that in a series of, if we would meet together for five Monday nights, for one Monday night every other week, we could come up with some really good ideas and get some really good plans together and and we could do some really great stuff. But the psalmist understood that God's thoughts about him and God's plans for him, God's thoughts about him were innumerable. You couldn't number the thoughts that God's been thinking about you. Do you hear that? You can't even put a number. You can't even put a number on the thoughts that God has about you. He goes on to say, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me. No wonder David's praising the Lord. Because he has a revelation of how God thinks about him. And every day is a new beginning. When I wake up in the morning, you're still there. But I've had a horrible day yesterday. I had a horrible weekend. I had a horrible week last week. I've had a horrible month, Pastor. Pastor, I've had a horrible year. Well, every day, the mercies of God are new new every morning. Every day that you wake up, God's still thinking about plans and thoughts towards you. Well, it didn't work out the way I thought. Well, that's okay because he's got plenty of plans. He's got plenty of ideas. He has plenty of good thoughts towards you. But I've messed it up. You haven't messed it up so much that God can't. God can take, I'm telling you, he can take junk. He can take stuff that's really messed up. 
and turn it around for good. Well, other people have done this. It doesn't matter. He's able to take even. Remember Joseph said to his brothers, he'd spent years in prison. He'd been falsely accused. He could say, I've wasted my childhood, my youth, all of this painful, all of this loss. And God said, but he had this realization. He said, wait a minute. You meant it for evil, but God still had a good plan for me. It was a plan that through through this, many lives would be saved. Some of you may find it hard to be thankful for being you. Well, pastor, whenever I change some of these things, when I catch up on all the things I'm procrastinating about, then I'll be thankful to be me. When I get to promotion on a job, then I'll be thankful. When I, and you can fill in the blank, then I can be thankful to be me. Friend, those things are all fluff. You can, I'm going to tell you what, get them all. Work your hands to the bone and accomplish all of those things and you'll still, something will still be lacking. Something will still be lacking. You can be thankful for being you when you start to understand and catch a vision of how God feels about you. That he's designed you as he saw fit and he has plans for your life. As we're getting ready to finish up here, here's what I want to say to you. Imagine going to an art gallery or going to a big dinner or imagine going to a house that's been built and walking through, go to the dinner and and you don't know and you're eating and and you're like, oh, this potato salad, it's missing something. So you have all of your thoughts and you walk through the art gallery and you say, oh, that picture is okay, but I think it's missing this. Or maybe you go through a house, it's a new house, and and you're looking at it and you say, well, that house is okay, but what they should have done is they should have done this and they should have done that. Later on, you find out that the person sitting at your table was the chef who had created your meal or the woman of the house who had made the meal. You'd be like, oh. Or the artist who had drawn the picture or painted the picture or the builder or the architect who had designed Would you realize this, that every day that you criticize, every day that you walk about unthankful for being you, you're criticizing the creator who designed you. And you can't get away from his presence. And you can't even think it without him knowing that you're thinking that way. Can I just pray for you? And can I just pray that some of you would let go of some things that cause you to be unthankful for being you and that you just realize, well, pastor, God should have made me taller. I think you're okay where you are. Or pastor, you know, my personality, I'm quiet. Well, you know what? God designed you that way. He designed you that way. Pastor, I'm always the one who opens my mouth and, and I say things I shouldn't. Well, you know, God designed you that way too. Some of us are bold. Peter was one who was bold. Can I just pray over you? And I just want to pray that you'll catch a glimpse of what God sees. Oh, no, Pastor, I understand God did a good job. It's me who's messed up. No, you need to understand. You need to see what God sees. You need to get a vision of what he sees about your life and his purposes and his plans. And when you start to do that, you can start to be comfortable in your own skin. You can start to be thankful just for being you and the person 
who God created you to be. Then what will happen is you'll begin to reach your potential. And you'll to be able to see God use you in ways that you thought, oh, that's why he made me like this. If you'd like God to give you a revelation of what he sees when he sees you. And you just say, Pastor, man, I just wish, I really wish God, hear you saying these nice things about me. But I wish I could see some of them a little more. If you'd like God just to give you a revelation of what he sees about you. Can I just see your hand? Lord, I just pray. I just see beauty. I just believe that when you look at these people, you see beauty. And you see strength. And you see courage. And you see wisdom. And you see possibilities and potential. Lord, I believe that you see anointing. I believe, God, that you see power. Lord, you created each of us different and unique. And Lord, I just pray that you'd begin to open up our eyes and let us see what it is that you see when you look at us, Lord. Lord, I pray that each person will be able to leave here when we leave today and just say, you know what? Man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows everything about me. There's nothing in all of creation that's hidden from him. And he's passionate about me. He's still chasing after me. He desires to have relationship with me. He's not ashamed of me. I'm his. And he's mine. Lord, I pray that we would be able to move from the, the confusion. I just pray in the minds of your people that they'd move from the confusion and that they'd be able to walk in newness of life. I pray that you'd give them a view. Just give them your eyes to see in the spirit, your eyes to comprehend in the spirit, your mind to think in the spirit. And for every lie that the enemy has put upon them, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would, re- I, we just rebuke that. In Jesus' name, I pray that in place of that, the peace of God, the wisdom of God, the insight, the plans that you have. Lord, you've been thinking, you've been thinking for millions of years about them. You got good stuff. Lord, you got good stuff. We praise you for that. In the name of Jesus.